Since former Golden State Warriors minority owner Vivek Ranadive purchased the Sacramento Kings, we've seen a lot of comparisons, a lot of similarities between the Kings and the Warriors, or really the Kings trying to replicate a lot of what the Golden State Warriors did building that great dynasty that ended up becoming one of the greatest NBA teams of all time. I know that's hard for some Kings fans to have to listen to and deal with, seeing as how there are close proximity neighbors and Northern California rivals, but are the Kings trying to replicate the wrong version of the Golden State Warriors, or have they tried to replicate the wrong version over the last seven or eight years? On today's Locked on Kings podcast, I'm going to be joined by Sacramento Bee writer, normally covers the San Francisco 49ers, but has also been covering the Sacramento Kings this season and has a background with the Golden State Warriors. Chris Biederman joins me here on Locked on Kings. We're going to talk about the similarities between the Kings and the Warriors. We'll discuss the possibility of Mark Jackson being a candidate for the Kings head coaching position, assuming they don't give it to Alvin Gentry. So much Kings and Warriors to get to on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Truebill, the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need. And Truebill can even negotiate better deals for those you want to keep. I'll tell you a little more about about them later on in the show. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering the Sacramento Kings, formerly with uh, Sports 1140 KHDK Radio in Sacramento, now with ABC 10 Television. And apologies for not doing a podcast yesterday. I planned on having the wonderful, the fantastic Morgan Reagan from the Deuce and Mo podcast. Also, you can catch her on uh, Kings pre and post game live on NBC Sports. Uh, she and I, unfortunately, were not able to work out of time. It's my fault. I got caught up at work covering some uh, news stories at ABC 10. Uh, so we weren't able to uh, to connect on the that time. She's extremely busy. Of course, it's the middle of the season for her, and she has 97 different jobs that she's doing. She was just covering the G League Ignite uh, in Las Vegas uh, for a couple of games. So she's been incredibly busy. However, we are working on a, a new time that she will join the show. Uh, she can't wait to come here on Locked on Kings and and, uh, and and join me to to talk Kings for all of you. And I know a lot of you are already listeners to the and Mo podcast. So can't wait to have her on, but I do think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Chris Biederman here today from the Sacramento Bee. Like I said, Chris is more known for his coverage of the San Francisco 49ers. He's the co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast with uh, my former co-worker and friend Kyle Madsen, who it's been a while since he's been on the pod. Have to him have him back on the pod here uh, in the near future as well. But Chris, this season has started covering the Sacramento Kings for the beat, coming with uh, Jason Anderson to games. And, and uh, he comes from a Bay Area background, very familiar uh, with the Golden State Warriors 
organization. Uh, and this conversation ended up going in the route of comparisons between the Kings and the Warriors and how Vivek Ranadive, since purchasing the team, has always tried to replicate the Warriors and take what he learned and understood the way an organization should be ran in Golden State and try and do that here in Sacramento. And of course, he's been woefully unsuccessful. But this conversation, it's going to sound like it's its a conversation that belongs on the Locked On Warriors podcast, but I encourage you to really listen and, and hear the comparisons between the Warriors and the Kings because it is really topical. It's really relevant to how the Kings have been ran uh, over the last uh, eight years. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman. Well, some of you may know this next guest for his San Francisco 49ers coverage from the Sacramento Bee and for the uh, Candlestick Chronicles podcast. But Chris Biederman, nice enough to join me here on the Locked on Kings podcast because even though Chris is the uh, Sack B beat writer for the San Francisco 49ers, Chris has been spending a fair amount of time inside the Golden One Center catching Sacramento Kings basketball this season. Chris, what did you do wrong in your job to get stuck with that gig? <laughs> well, I, I think the numbers would show just, you know, the readership numbers that that Sacramento loves their Kings sort of or loves reading about their Kings sort of no matter what the state of the franchise is. And it might be, it might be something that the, the more chaos and the more turmoil, uh, the more interest. So there's been a little bit of that this season. I don't know if it's been more than, than any other years, but I, I think you could probably tell me more than I could tell you, but yeah, people are interested. And so, uh, you know, we, we've been focusing more on, on local Sacramento sports coverage, which obviously includes the Kings in that the 49ers are, are local, but you know, they're in Santa Clara a little bit further away. So um, yeah, I've been dabbling in Kings. It's been fun. It's been a, it's been a cool change of pace and, and I'm a big NBA fan just overall. So uh, it's it's cool to be in, in the building for those games. Well, Chris, this is really unique because I'm, I'm having a sack B rider somewhat on the Kings beat who isn't super deeply ingrained into Sacramento Kings culture and and, and understands uh, completely like what the, what the fans have gone through or has the same perspective that all of us kind of tainted media members have who've been around this team for so long, which is like high hopes and overall low expectations. Um, but I wanted to grasp your, because you joined uh, with the Sacramento Bee in 2018, so you haven't been in Sacramento too long. I wanted to get your understanding of of what you believe the Kings, the Kings organization, the Kings team, the fan base. What did you believe them to be uh, when you first came to Sacramento? And then now that you're on the beat, has that changed at all? Yeah. So, I mean, as somebody who's followed the Warriors and admittedly, this, this might not make your listeners super happy, but growing up a Warriors fan, um, you know, being familiar with Vivek Ranadive and the fact that he came from the Warriors ownership group and, you know, you hear all, some of his crazy thoughts, like um, <laughs> cherry picking with, with the guy on, <laughs> on the offensive side the entire time. Yep. Um, so, you know, the, the thing with the Warriors under their uh, new ownership, I guess it's not so much new anymore, but Joe Lake, it was all about collaboration, right? It was all about forward thinking, collaboration, um, hiring the right people. But it seems like Vivek has not operated, I would say, in, in nearly the same level of effectiveness um, as Joe Lacob has. And, and you know, my, my thing with the Kings this season was... Um, you know, how realistic are the playoff expectations and ultimately does it do you any good to just make the playoffs, um, get into the play in tournament or whatever as as a nine or a 10 seed and, and potentially make it as a seven or eight seed once the playoffs actually start? Is that really worth it 
-hmm. or should the Kings take a larger, a more macro approach and say, all right, maybe we should, we should blow this up in the second year of, of Monty McNair's tenure um, and try to build something more sustainable. And the fact that they're doing things like firing Luke Walton so early in the season, or even going into the season with Luke Walton, given that he apparently was on a really short leash, it didn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense to me, particularly, you know, Monty McNair coming from Houston where um, they have a very analytics approach. They seem to be very level-headed in terms of um, the way they typically construct their teams. The way the King season has gone and the playoff expectations just seem like it's a very owner centric approach, right? It seems like that's coming from the very top. And I don't know that for a fact, I'm not like reporting that or anything, but just seeing how it's, it's operating. It seems like it's an impatient owner who really wants to make the playoffs. And that's the most important thing where, you know, I think the most successful teams in the NBA and, and sort of going back to the Warriors side of it, you know, the Warriors traded away Monte Ellis when they had Steph Curry, and it was far before Steph Curry was anywhere near mm. the star that he is now. But they could have tried to keep Monte Ellis, keep that core together, and then say, all right, let's make the playoffs. Let's just get in there, see what we can do. Um, because Warriors fans, like, you know, the 28 or the 2008 We Believe season, um, or 2007. Yeah, I think 2007. We believe season. It, it was wildly successful, right? Just having all the fans in the building, um, having just such a crazy atmosphere after such a long playoff drought was a really big deal for the Warriors. But instead of trying to replicate that and keeping Monte Ellis and being sort of a bottom feeder playoff team, they decided, all right, let's blow this thing up. Let's see if we can build out a roster that actually makes sense. And then it could maybe lead to long-term sustainability. And, and that's, in my opinion, that's not what the Kings are doing right now. They have an unbalanced roster. Um, they're very guard heavy. They lack wings. Um, they, they're sort of an island of misfit toys with um, guys brought in, in in the previous regime and Monty McNair trying to, trying to um, you know, bring in some of his own new guys. And it's, it's not really clear how they all fit together, yet they're still trying to just make the playoffs get into – um, the play in tournament or whatever, and maybe, maybe replicate, you know, the quote unquote, we believe warriors, but is that really the right path? Mm. Right. Or should they just trade all of their valuable assets away to other teams who could use a Harrison Barnes or, you know, maybe finally rip the bandaid off the Marvin Bagley thing. If that thing's too far beyond repair. Right. So, um, they're in a weird spot and it, and it's sort of just conflicting ideologies between winning now and just getting into the playoffs to maybe end the playoff drought and have some fan excitement and, and get fans in the building for a playoff series versus blowing it up and building a roster that makes sense for the long term, where you could have, you know, sustainable playoff runs year in and year out, which is what other teams, you know, like I know uh, the discussion around the Kings is like, why can't they be the Denver nuggets? Well, that took the Nuggets a long time to get there, right? And they had to develop their roster in a way that made sense. And right now, I'm just not sure the Kings are doing that. Um, so it's kind of, they're kind of in an awkward place. And I'm wondering, and I'm curious to see if they're going to be able to fix fix it uh, and get out of get out of that weird spot, or if this is just going to be some something that kind of lingers for a while as long as Vivek seems so intent on just getting into the playoffs. 
Today's Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Truebill. I'm very excited to tell you about Truebill. If you're not familiar with this, you need to download this app right away. I use this. It saved me immediately. As soon as I started using this, immediately saved me almost $300 a month. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get your money out of you without you noticing. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions today. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. And there are so many subscription services now. I had 19 of them. I wasn't even aware of that. 19 different subscription services. I was only using 12. I canceled the other ones. And like I said, saved up to almost $300 instantly. Uh, and on average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. All you do is link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. It is that easy. Truebill has over 2 million users as a uh, 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Locked on Kings also brought to you by Theragun. This thing got my wife through pregnancy. This thing gets me through day-to-day life. The stress of daily life weighs on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me who's just trying to make it through the day, stress and tension-free, Theragun can help you. It's really helped me. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than just vibration alone. Whether you treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, like your shoulders after sitting at your computer, or your wrists and hands after and arms after sitting at a computer, or your back sitting at a computer all day long, like so many of us do, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Theragun is trusted by 200 150 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, the LA Clippers, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Shapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. It sounds like a lot. It's more than worth it. Therabody.com slash locked on right now to get your uh, Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Well, Chris, in the case of the Nuggets, they also drafted correctly. In the case of the Golden State right. Warriors, and this is why I think your um, your perspective with the Warriors, your understanding of that organization, where Vivek came from, is extremely important for this conversation because the Warriors also drafted correctly. I mean, Steph Curry at first didn't win Rookie of the Year that year. Tyreek Evans did in Sacramento. <laughs> right. uh, but look who's in the league and look who's the MVP and look who's out of the league trying to get uh, get a job. Like The the Kings draft history has has been in absolute shambles and, and everybody knows that, but uh, you brought up Vivek coming from the Golden State Warriors and and trying to, I, I think there's a, a good and a bad to Vivek trying so hard to um, repeat what the Warriors have done, but here in Sacramento. I mean, the, the reason why there's so much interest in Buddy Heald in the first place is Vivek wanted a shooter that could rival Steph Curry uh, in, in Golden State. He wanted that kind of player. We know he fell in love with that, that idea of having some sort of Splash Brothers or one Splash Brother uh, here in <laughs> Sacramento. Uh, the quick turnarounds. And then, so we're talking about Vivek wanting to take the Warriors' success. And there's a lot of teams around the league who took that Warrior window, how they built that team, and then added Durant to it later, how they they started that success, and other teams have tried to replicate that. But the Kings are doing it kind of in the wrong way, right, Chris? Because they're doing it 
trying to replicate almost the We Believe Warriors instead of the sustainable warriors that built a dynasty that ended up being not just one of the most successful teams of recent memory, but arguably one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. I mean, that's, that's what's so interesting to me is I agree with you. Vivek and the Kings almost want the shortcut in the sense that they want to remove the playoff drought and want to be able to say, hey, we finally got to the the Kings into the playoffs. But at that point, then it's, it's what next? Like I remember having Doug Christie, who's now a, a Kings assistant coach. But before that, when he was a radio host here in Sacramento, my coworker, I had him on the podcast. And one of the things Doug told me, and he said multiple times is if your goal is just to make the playoffs, you're going to fail. Your goal needs to be to win a championship. Now, obviously that's rungs upon rungs up the ladder for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, but I wonder, like you said, if if the, the mindset in Sacramento from the top down is wrong to where we're all just one. And trust me, I'd take a playoff series. I'd take a, a, a play in game at this point in the Golden One Center just to have that excitement. But is that low bar unacceptable uh, for for an organization that should be shooting higher and needs to shoot higher to ultimately be successful. Yeah, I mean, so if if they were to get into the play-in tournament and you know say say they they advance in the play-in tournament and they have a playoff series and they play the Warriors or the one seed whether it's the Warriors or Phoenix, let's just say it's the Warriors. Sure. Like, does are they going to be way better off at? because they played a five or six game series against the Warriors like in the long term are they gonna is that gonna solidify anything for them is that gonna change the dynamic between you know De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell like is are are those three gonna be able to fit long term better if they just get a one-off playoff series like is Harrison Barnes going to be solidified as a core member of uh, of a of, of a starting lineup that can take this team deeper into the playoffs you know next year and the year after that and after that like is that does that all make sense like are the mm-hmm. kings gonna get better from that or or is this roster in a place where these guys just don't make sense together from that standpoint and you just need to move on now and acquire as many assets as you can so you can build a roster that makes sense right because like Talking about the Warriors again, like Clay Thompson was the perfect pick mm. next to Steph Curry, mm-hmm. right? And like, I don't know that Tyrese Halliburton is perfect next to De- next to De'Aaron Fox. I don't know who would be perfect next to De'Aaron Fox, which also raises a question. Is De'Aaron Fox the best, you know, can he be one of your two or three best guys on a championship team? I'm just not sure about that because mm. I'm not sure De'Aaron Fox makes people around him better. And I'm not sure what his elite skill set is, right? Like he's really fast, but you know, we've, we've seen fast guys, but like you, in order to be a successful point guard in the league, you either need to score at an efficient rate or you need to make a lot of people around you better. And I don't mm. know that De'Aaron Fox does either of those things, right? I think Tyrese Halliburton does some of those things. I think he can make people around him better. I think he has the length and athleticism to be a really interesting defensive player. Um, and I think culturally he seems like somebody who you could sort of build that winning culture around. Um, so, you know, and I, and Davion Mitchell, like defense, defense first point guards are great, but are they, is Davion Mitchell going to be somebody who plays in crunch time in, in a playoff series if he doesn't improve offensively, right? Like that's, that's a question too. So like, 
you know, going back to the Warriors, Draymond Green made a ton of sense with Steph Curry because you had shooting. Clay Thompson obviously made a ton of sense next to Steph Curry. Um, you talk about roster construction, and I just don't know that the Kings, by keeping this core together, are going to be able to have a roster beyond this season that's going to get you into the playoffs year in and year out. So that's why, like, I understand, and I would be really curious to, to like, poll Kings fans to know. Like, do they really just want to get into the playoffs just to just to get in there and say, all right, this 15 year playoff drought is over and we can finally move on from that? Or would they say, man, if this thing really needs to be blown up, we should just blow it up now and then start building this team in a way that makes sense for that long term sustainability. Um, And and so ultimately, that's the question. Like, I think, all you know, you would know better than me. Like, I'm sure there's a large segment of Kings fans who would love to just get in the playoff to say they did. But ultimately, if you want to accomplish something that's meaningful, that's similar to, you know, the Chris Webber, Pedro Stoyakovic Kings from earlier this earlier this century, like that team was really close to winning a championship because you had a lot of pieces on it that made sense together. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this made, that this team makes sense together. And I don't know that getting to the playoffs this year is going to fortify that when you probably have an opportunity at the trade deadline, maybe to deal Harrison Barnes for assets or a draft pick or whatever. Um, you know, you, you have, you have Marvin Bagley, like the, what's the situation w- with him, right? Like how long is, is he ever going to turn into a contributor on this team or does he need a change of scenery and can you still get something for him? Right. Um, so there's just all these questions. And to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to push all your chips into the table to try to make a playoff push with this roster. Cause ultimately, you know, you either in, in the NBA and everybody knows this, but you either need to be like a bottom feeder and get, get a prize pick in, in the lottery, or you need to be a, a destination where somebody's going to come in free agency. And and I don't think the Kings are going to lure anybody in free agency anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So their best Avenue towards getting a superstar would be bottoming out. And I understand why Vivek doesn't want to bottom out from a bottom line. You have a new building. Um, you have a, you have a rabid fan base that's dying to, to see a winner. But at the same time, I do think there's a portion of Kings fans who would love to, who would love to see a coherent plan. That's like, all right, Tanking sucks and nobody likes it, but ultimately if you can tank and you can get a a superstar and then make some other uh, smart moves on the margins, whether it's moving Harrison Barnes, whether it's finally ripping the bandaid off with Marvin Bagley, whether it's, you know, trading De'Aaron Fox for some pieces or some assets that make sense that you can utilize to build a roster around Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. Like that to me is the way that that would make more sense and then what's happening right now. But again, I fully understand the the want and need to end that 15 year playoff drought. So the Kings ultimately are just in a really weird place. And yet at the same time too, though, Chris, like I understand fans who would want the Kings to take that route and to try and get another top pick. But in back-to-back years, you had a top five pick. You also had the 10 pick in that draft, which you could have taken uh, Donovan Mitchell and had that Fox Mitchell backcourt. Uh, But instead you traded that pick to Portland for, two other picks that ended up being Justin Jackson and Harry Giles. Yeah. Where are those guys right now? And then the very next year you had the number two overall pick. (laughs) You had Luka Doncic in your lap and you screwed it up and picked Marvin Bagley and you're in the spot in the same place. So my response to fans who want the Kings to take that route is always, 
why do you think it's going to be different this time? And I know Monty McNair didn't make those draft picks and it's seemingly, seemingly with his first two picks in Tyrese and kind of Davion Mitchell, he seems to have done a, a good job. But I think that the, the best answer that I can give, and I don't want to speak for Kings fans, but the best answer I can give is the only thing the Kings haven't tried in the last 15 years is making the playoffs. And that sounds so <laughs> stupid. It's like, what, have you tried winning? No, duh. But like you, like what does a, a one and done playoff appearance do if you get swept by the Warriors in the first round? Well, if nothing else, it gets your main guys a little bit of playoff experience and it sets up the expectation upon them that it's a snowball effect, that the next season you build upon that. A la like the Denver Nuggets are a great example. They not too long ago, they had just missed the playoffs. Remember like they missed out by like half a game or something. The very next year, under Mike Malone, they were like seed five or four or three. I can't remember. Like, they took the jump. They didn't get the playoff experience, but they took the jump. I think that would be the model or the expectation in Sacramento is, okay, Kings, scratch and claw your way via in the play-in this year. Now Fox and Halliburton in this core have some play in, uh, playoff experience. Hopefully, you can either keep that core together or make a trade of Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes or whatever it is to add a little bit to that core. And now the expectation is, okay, now you're you're definitely a top seven seed or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's the grasping for straws approach uh, that the that the Kings are trying to take. But I, I did want to actually, Chris, continue with this uh, Kings Warriors comparison um, because I, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Like they're missing all three. Don't get me wrong. But out of the three, what is this team missing more of? A Steph Curry a Clay Thompson or a Draymond Green, like those three type of players, a superstar, Ooh. a complimentary piece or an enforcer. What is this team missing out of those three? The most you think? Uh, I would say a superstar and an enforcer. Okay. Right. Because I mean, the superstar, the thing is with Steph Curry that, and this is a conversation I have with a lot of different people just, you know, they're because I I'm in group chats with Laker fans and, and, you know, LeBron fans who, who aren't the biggest Steph Curry supporters and they say, well, Steph Curry's had a lot of help, right? He's had Klay Thompson. He's had Draymond Green. And my argument would be, you know, is Klay Thompson Klay Thompson if he didn't join Steph Curry's team? Mm. Is Draymond Green Draymond Green if he doesn't have Steph Curry to throw those passes to? And, mm. you know, if Draymond Green is on a team where he doesn't have elite shooting, then is his passing worthwhile and does he try to become a scorer? And is that not work? You know, does he play himself out of the league? Yeah. Imagine he, if the Kings drafted Draymond, right? He's not right. the same guy. Not it, exactly. So, so to me, it all sort of revolves around Steph Curry and like he's, he's a culture setter from the standpoint of his teammates love playing with him. Um, he's a super hard worker. And, you know, I was, I, I covered the finals for, for the associated press in, in uh, 2018 and being in the locker room as the Warriors are celebrating the winning the title and, you know, talk, I was around David West when he was going on his big rant about how, like, you know, Steph Curry is great because of the way he works. Right. Clay Thompson's great. And Kevin Durant's great because of the way they work. And that that's just thousands of shots a day. Right. Like he's the greatest shooter in the world, but he has to maintain that by by having a work ethic that lives up to that. And I'm not saying guys on the Kings don't do that, but I don't know in being around the Kings, I don't know that there is a culture setter mm -hmm. in the, in the locker room. Right. And I think Draymond Green's part of that too, but just in a different way, more to more of that enforcer type that, that you mentioned. So like, I don't know if De'Aaron Fox is the guy who is putting pressure with his work ethic on other guys to have that, who to match that work ethic. Right. Because 
when Warriors players, you hear them talk about Steph Curry, when they mention Steph Curry and his work ethic and how he's working, they don't want to let Steph down because they see all the work he's putting in. Right. And so I don't know if there is that galvanizing force anywhere in the Kings organization that's forcing anybody else to uplift, uh, you know, their own games or develop their own games in a way like, hey, I don't want to let this guy down. He's 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 a great teammate. He's doing everything he can to help us win games like I need to elevate myself to that level to help us be successful. And ultimately, I think that's that's what the Kings are lacking. And that's that's what a lot of NBA teams are lacking. Right. I think that's ultimately the difference between you know, production is production, right? Like that speaks for itself. But um, we've seen a lot of, you know, superstar laden teams not work out because of chemistry issues and all that. But Steph Curry, from my vantage point, has been the ultimate sort of chemistry guy. And and you hear Steve Kerr talk about Tim Duncan and Tim Duncan was, I think, was similar. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the Kings lack that. They lack that superstar force whose habits and work ethic and culture reverberate around the organization. Right. And so when De'Aaron Fox is your, your quote unquote best player. And again, I'm not trying to rip on De'Aaron Fox, but I don't know if he's that guy that galvanizes everybody else to want to be better, to work on their games. Um, And I don't know if there's anybody in the Kings organization that's setting that culture that Steph Curry has where it's like, all right, we're winning. We're going to have fun while we win and it's going to allow everybody to be better. And ultimately, I think that's probably the most underrated thing about Steph Curry and the way he's helped Clay Thompson and Draymond Green turn into superstars. And I think that's a huge reason why Kevin Durant wanted to come to Golden State to begin with, because he saw that culture and wanted to be a part of it. Um, and the Kings just don't have that. So to answer your question, I think that's what the Kings are really missing is a superstar. And the only way for them to get it is would be to draft one. And to your point, they've they've missed a few opportunities there, namely with Luka Doncic, because, you know, I think Luka might be might be that guy, the the guy that they had an opportunity to get, but they missed um, because they they fell in love with Marvin Bagley for whatever reason. You listen to podcasts, the Locked on Kinks podcast for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of Locked on Kings you could possibly want. The power of three unlimited data lines for just 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all of that brain power too. And you get the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all in the speed or at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of the America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offer coverage not available everywhere. For all phones and networks, see BoostMobile.com for details. You know, there are probably a lot of Locked On Kings listeners and Sacramento Kings fans listening right now going, is this a Locked On Warriors podcast? How did we get so (laughs) Warriors focused? But I I think this conversation is really important and it's relevant because there have been so many connections between the Kings uh, and the Warriors since Vivek took over. Including Luke Walton. Correct. And including Mike Malone, who was an assistant coach of the next guy that I want to ask you about. We're actually going to wrap up with this. Every single time since uh, really Walton or... um, Jaeger was fired or actually even when Jaeger was before Jaeger was hired, 
Kings fans have brought up Mark Jackson as a possibility uh, as the, uh, the head coach here in Sacramento, which would fit the the pattern and would definitely be a Vivek Ranadive type hire to bring in Mark Jackson, uh, who of course is credited with getting that Golden State era started. And then Steve Kerr came in and made it uh, what it was. Um, what do you think about the possibility of Mark Jackson, who I don't believe has taken another job since, taking this job in Sacramento, assuming it doesn't go to Alvin Gentry, who's the interim head coach right now. I think it's it's very unlikely that Gentry gets uh, the the position. I think the Kings will go through a, a full-on search this upcoming offseason, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to hear Mark Jackson's name uh, thrown into that hat. So it makes sense from a Kings pattern-wise. It makes sense from the Kings-Warriors connection-wise. But from a basketball standpoint, someone who understands what Mark Jackson was able to start in Golden State, do you think he could do something similar except – finish the job potentially here in Sacramento. Would that be a good fit? Yeah. So I, I I think Mark Jackson and what, what he did with the Warriors is very much what the Kings need, right? So what Mark Jackson did was he turned the Warriors who had perennially been one of the worst defensive teams in the league for a long time into a good one, into a, a competent to a good one. Um, and he just sort of changed the culture on the defensive side. And that was really um, his main goal. But I also think Mark Jackson was somewhat limiting in, in terms of the way he coached offense. It was, you know, when the Warriors did make the playoffs under Mark Jackson in his last season there in that first round, uh, that seven game series against the Clippers, it was like a lot of Jermaine O'Neal post-ups at the very end of, of yep. Jermaine O'Neal's Yep. Um, career and you saw you know a lot of Steph Curry and David Lee pick and rolls which worked but overall it was a relatively limiting offense in terms of the personnel that the Warriors had right so I do think Mark Jackson fits from the standpoint of changing the culture with the real focus on defense I'm not sure he's the guy that takes the Kings from where they are now to a to a long-term stable contender I think mm. he might be that type of coach that he that exactly that he was with the Warriors, like a bridge to the next guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think, I think he would make sense, but there was also some weird behind the scenes stuff with assistant coaches and um, some weird whisper campaigns behind the scenes. And uh, that just, you know, I, there was some dysfunctional stuff happening with Mark Jackson that ultimately led to his demise there, aside from sort of being limited offensively in terms of the way he liked to attack things. So I do think somebody like that who could change the defensive culture would make a lot of sense for the Kings because that's ultimately what they need. But in terms of Mark Jackson specifically, I'm a little dubious about just how, you know, what type of offense he would run and and sort of the behind the scenes stuff, the the um, you know the day to day stuff, the relationship building in the organization, which we know is so important, and ultimately with the Kings, you know, being as dysfunctional as they are, I don't know that Mark Jackson is necessarily a stable a stable force if he does become the Kings coach, right? But I agree with the premise that somebody like him to come in and change the culture in a way that Mark Jackson did defensively. Uh, when he first joined the Warriors makes a lot of sense. Um, but in terms of somebody like ultimately, I think if if you're making a hire, you want somebody who can get along with everybody in the building. You want somebody who can get along with all of the players and who has a consistent message that the players like to rally behind. And I don't know that Mark Jackson necessarily is that guy, 
And I think the fact that, you know, when did he get fired in 2013? I think ultimately the fact that he hasn't gotten a job or even many interviews since then is sort of telling, right? Like Mm -hmm. you would think if Mark Jackson was a real viable candidate, he would be in the discussion for more jobs and and a candidate for more jobs. But from my understanding, I don't think that he has been. So I wonder if there is more to that um, than, than just on the surface. But um, yeah, the, 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 the idea that you get a coach in who can improve you defensively and start from there. I I agree with that. And that, that, that would benefit the Kings for sure. But I just don't know that Mark Jackson necessarily is that guy because of all the other stuff. Well, the Kings have had the worst of both worlds with their last two coaches. They had a guy that the players didn't like and Dave Yeager, who got this team to win halfway decently. And then they had the the player or the coach in uh, Luke Walton and all the players loved who, who couldn't figure things out here in Sacramento. So, hey, throw Mark Jackson's name in the hat. Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> anybody from college, you and I should probably be in the mix at this point. Kings Kenny Atkinson would be, would be a good one. I, I and, think the Warriors love having Kenny Atkinson on their staff this year. Well, it, it would make also continue the pattern, make a lot of sense too. We'll see what they do. Chris, the work that you provide at the Sacramento Bee, all Locked On Kings listeners should consider a, a subscription absolutely for the work that you and Jason Anderson do uh, covering the, the Kings. Then, of course, San Francisco 49ers fans, if you aren't familiar with Chris, you need to be his work covering the Niners for the B Plus uh, with Kyle Madsen on the Candlestick Chronicles podcast is, is absolutely must have. Uh, for your coverage there. Chris, this can't be the last time that we do this, my friend. Thank you so much. And and try not to get hit by too many tomatoes on the, on your way out the door as uh, <laughs> Kings fans curse you for making this somewhat about the Warriors here today. But I uh, appreciate it. No no problem. And uh, you and I got to get out on the golf course soon, man. And um, and yeah, be, be well. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Had a lot of fun with Chris here on the Locked on Kings podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you didn't just take away that we were talking more Warriors than Kings there. I hope you see the similarities that we were discussing. And now we want to hear from you, your thoughts on the Kings trying to replicate the We Believe Warriors more than the Dynasty Warriors that actually uh, won championships, multiple championships, might I add, and one of the greatest teams of all time. I also want to hear your thoughts on the possibility of Mark Jackson becoming the next head coach for the Sacramento Kings. Lots that Chris and I talked about that you can unpack and share your thoughts on. Send them to me at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or uh, leave your comments down in the YouTube comment section down below. Finally, Kings basketball is back tomorrow. The Kings hosting the Orlando Magic. It's a very winnable game, but that doesn't mean nothing with this Kings team, as you know. Regardless of win or a loss, we will talk about it here on Locked on Kings, so I hope you'll join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.